You are listening to the Replatform e-commerce technology and customer experience podcast, sponsored by Clayview. Clayview is proud to support the Replatform podcast. A really big thank you to James and Paul for sharing their expertise on this channel and helping retailers navigate the complex e-commerce landscape. We think product discovery should be a delightful experience for shoppers and simple and portable for merchants. Check out platform agnostic site search and merchandising at clayview.com. Hello and welcome back to the Replatform podcast. It is myself, James, and I'm joined as always by my super energetic co-host, Paul Rogers. Good morning, mate. Good morning. How are you? I kind of set you up there. I'm assuming you're super energetic this morning. You're well, quite on it. I was thinking I needed to be energetic uh, in the response. Um, so yeah, I said it slightly faster than usual. Um, how are you doing? <laughs> um, yes, I am good, thanks. I'm looking forward to after this doing some very tedious DIY ceiling repair after having flooded my ceiling the other day. So uh, this, this is the fun part of the day and then I'm on to the <laughs> um, So another cracking episode lined up, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, another really interesting one. Um, yeah, I think it'll be a really good one. Yeah, so today we are we're in the ballpark of e-commerce fraud and fraud management, but from the perspective of maximising revenue protection, and um, we're, we're welcoming our guest today, Signified, and I'll introduce you to them in a moment. But just to set the scene, basically e-commerce this year, I mean, a lot of people will know this already, preaching to convey that e-commerce online retail transactions and revenue has continued to set like, records in 2020. Um Obviously, it's created loads of opportunity for business to drive sales online. I know there's been an expense of the offline world. Um, but just, you know, with this growth and this opportunity comes uh, additional risk for like bad actors and, and cyber criminals to try and defraud businesses. Um, and fraud, you know, online fraud has been around for ages. It is well known about. Um, and it's something that businesses have to manage. And even though fraud rates are relatively low, especially in, in the in the Western world in the like more mature e-commerce markets. It can still impact business. It can still impact margins. Um, you know, I think a lot of people believe that fraud is covered simply by their payment gateways. They have fraud settings. They set them up. They might put on the most stringent fraud settings. But this leads us on to the second point of, of today's episode is that just doing fraud management by itself isn't necessarily the best outcome for your business because you can set the most stringent fraud rules and completely destroy all of your uh, um, uh, fraud risk and exposure and have very minimum issue with things like chargebacks. But you might be creating a massive issue with declining valid orders and really annoying uh, genuine customers just because your fraud rules are too stringent. And hemorrhaging a you know, two, three, four percent of business, which has happened, I've seen this in, in other in clients where actually their decline rate has been abnormally high and they've been turning away business. It pushes prospective new customers to other to other competitors, maybe even into, into somewhere like Amazon. And losing people because your fraud management is too strict is as bad as not having good fraud management and basically being exposed to high chargeback rates. So with the advent of PSD2, with secure customer authentication, with the increased protections through payment gateways, we wanted to pose the question of like, why are our fraud protection um, platforms and fraud management platforms and chargeback specialist platforms like Signified still important and relevant to, to merchants these days? So we reached out to our friends at Signified to find out why. So welcome today, uh, Chris. Chris Hemmings, welcome to the podcast. Hi, James. Hi, Paul. Thanks very much for having me. Cool. So I frame, framed it to set you up nicely to introduce yourself as Signified. So could you just... Um, Start by letting our listeners know who you are and what you do, and also in your own words, like what is signified and why is it needed in the market? Yeah, thanks very much. So, uh, Chris Hemmings here. I have the, the pleasure of heading up sales within within Amir at Signified. So we have offices in London, Belfast, across the states, 
Um, and we, uh, we we've we've seen an explosive growth really in terms of what we've been doing. We opened up those the offices within Europe only two years ago, and in that time we've grown to just over a hundred people. Um, we are as you I mean you gave me the perfect intro there, there James. You've described it exactly uh, right. What we do is we we take uh, orders as they come through from every single merchant. We work with about, just to give you an idea of scale, we work with about 11,000 merchants globally. And what we do is we help them to extract value from their existing e-commerce funnel. So you very accurately described that is helping them with their fraud management. But probably the more compelling reason is we use automation, um, using machine learning, big data, and a commerce network of transactions from all of those 11,000 merchants to look at whether orders are actually good or bad and in principle giving that uh, merchant those individual merchants an uplift in revenue so a, a conversion rate optimization or revenue optimization play and the, the really key thing or the disruptive part of what we do is any order that we approve we provide uh, a liability shift against fraud so we're accountable for that decision that approval if we uh, tell the merchant that it's a good transaction they ship it and it does transpire to be fraud we protect them from their losses. So we, we reimburse them for all of that transaction and, and take accountability for that decision, as I say. And, and interestingly, I think if I have spoken to you um, earlier this year, you've got a few uh, customers who are really high-end um, transactions, haven't you? So it's not just you know, 40, 50 pound average order values. You cater for, for clients with, with much larger order values. A hundred percent. We so uh, in dicta, you know, it, clients everyday clients that people would know of, um, are the likes of eBay, Samsung, Lacoste, uh, Swatch Group, Mango, Lego, etc. Right, and as you say, those are all kind of about a fifty to a hundred pound uh, average order value. But on the higher end, yes, we work with companies like the U.S. Gold Bullion Bureau, who literally send out gold bars in the post. Um, other examples of high-end order values are things like Hyundai, who sell really expensive generators and machinery, um, et cetera, those kind of things, right? So, you know, th- in those cases, they might have an average order value of five to £10,000. Yes, and I, I, that, I mean, it, it's amazing when you think about the volume of transactions for, for some really high-end retailers might be relatively low, but yes, a, a single chargeback can have a massive impact on their profitability. So... That's a really nice way of framing framing what you do. One key question I've got is, what are the most common issues that you encounter that, that e-commerce teams are facing in relation to fraud and, and order acceptance rates? I think the first thing is that most merchants don't actually know what their true approval rate is. So for every 100 people uh, that, that try and buy something from them, and you know, merchants spend a massive amount of money on acquisition and on marketing, affiliate partnerships, these kind of things, to get individuals to your website to find the product they want in the color they want, the size that they want, et cetera. They type in all of their details, their shipping and billing information, the payment information, they click checkout only to lose them, right? And most merchants we speak to, particularly in Europe, if they're using 3D Secure, 3DS for short, only will measure their approval rate after 3DS. They don't realize that you might be losing 6 to 8% of transactions uh, in the UK and in other markets even more so because of that barrier to conversion and that kind of poor customer experience. So I think the first thing is just not knowing how they're performing today. The second major problem is probably not knowing that there's an alternative. So 
particularly within Europe, where 3DS is prevalent, signified is, is a frictionless alternative to that uh, 3D secure technology. Those barriers that you get right at the end, the pop-ups, uh, verified by Visa, secure code by MasterCard that says, type in your password or we're going to send a code to your phone. We, we don't do that. We literally screen the transaction in a frictionless way without the end consumer knowing uh, and provide a more comprehensive liability shift. So it's, I think all of us acknowledge, as you know, people who worked in e-commerce for a long time, any kind of barrier to conversion is going to cause you a problem and lost orders. So those kind of things. I think that the other thing that's probably um, quite prevalent is legacy technology, legacy rules uh, and, and systems that were put in place, you know, kind of 10 to 15 years ago. Fraud isn't new. It's been around forever. But merchants' um, technology that they're using, you know, is perhaps not fit for modern e-commerce in the sense that fraudsters have got all the latest technology, right? It's very dynamic what they will do. They will try techniques and see which ones work. If they get blocked, they move on and they try something else. When a merchant puts in place uh, a legacy kind of static rule, you know, because perhaps they were hit with fraud. And, and we see companies that have like 600 rules. And you say to them, well, why have you got this rule in place? And they say, oh, we were hit with fraud in the Philippines six years ago. So we don't ship to the Philippines now. And you're like, well, you know, modern approaches require something that can deal with the dynamic nature of fraud. So I would say it's kind of legacy tech stacks as well are, are really big problems. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And, and um, especially where a payment uh, gateway might have been implemented three, four years ago by a different e-commerce team that has since left and new people running it. And the the kind of legacy decisions about how that has been set up and, and how the settings have been managed, you often find that that gets ignored because the conversion rate is is going up and people, uh, you know, profitability is going up. So people go, oh, actually, it's working fine. Um, so yeah, legacy is a good point. Link to, link to this, because you know, some people on our, our listening will will be you know, quite high experience in terms of you know, e-commerce platforms, payment setups, and fraud management. Others might be new to this area. Can you just give a bit of clarification, people? What, what, uh, chargebacks are one of the key issues with fraud. What causes chargebacks, and is this still a really big threat to, to retailers, or is it on the decline? I, I, unfortunately, it's it's on the increase. So. There's two main types of fraud. You can broadly split fraud into into two buckets, if you like. So, 60% of fraud is the traditional unauth card not present fraud that we're all very familiar with. So, that's kind of fraud rings using stolen credit cards to illegally acquire goods, and then you go through a dispute management process. So, you know, if I were to use your card details to buy something, you would see that appear on your bank statement. You would get in touch with your bank, file a dispute, which is called a chargeback. The bank would recover the money for you. They pay that straight back into your account. And the merchant, in most cases, obviously would have shipped the goods. So they'd be without the sale, without the revenue, and, and without the goods. That's kind of what most people um, are familiar with when it comes to fraud. The other side of things, and this is the, the other the 40%, and it's 40% blended across all of e-commerce. Clearly, you know, different sectors have different uh, mixes of this 60-40. Um, but the other the other type of fraud is what we call consumer abuse fraud. So it's where individuals claim that they haven't received goods and they file what's called an INR chargeback, an item not received chargeback, or a SNAD, which stands for significantly not as described. You know, I ordered a blue one, you've sent me the black one. Um, and then you have other types of fraud associated with things like subscriptions or processing errors or, or, or cancellations, those kind of things. And sadly, because of things like COVID, these are on the rise. So 
you know, if you when you order things online now and you get it shipped to your door, the delivery company, the carrier, isn't able to ask you for a signature. So invariably, they're leaving boxes on your doorstep, which sadly presents an opportunity to, uh, you know, the everyday person to say, "Whoa, you know, I, I didn't actually receive this good. Uh, and they file a chargeback. And what we're that, with, that is what we're seeing on the rise. That is kind of a trend that's come about because of COVID. It's just opportunist, if you like. So, so those are the two types that result in chargebacks. That makes sense. Um, so I have a question. So a lot of the payment providers on the market have, um, I guess, their own fraud offerings or kind of add-on services. And then also some of the e-com platforms have uh, functionality that allows for kind of flagging of orders based on certain variables. Um, where does the need for a third-party fraud management tool come in and why is it needed? Super question. And and you're right, that's in almost every case, a, a payment gateway will, will bundle in some kind of fraud tool. Uh, invariably, in Europe, that's 3D secure because, you know, all they care about is driving down fraud. How I like to describe it, and it's, uh, I, I don't know if it's a good or a bad analogy, but it's a bit like when you're doing up your house, asking the plumber to do your electrics or vice versa, that they're very different disciplines. So the payment gateways are very good at managing payments, but they are terrible at managing fraud. And no doubt, if Signify had ever to, were to get into payments, it would probably be a bad move. It's a different discipline. Um, it requires totally different solutions, a different skill set. That those gateways are typically reviewing, you know, only a fraction, a subset of the data that we look at, um, and 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 they are invariably using those legacy static rules that I talked about earlier. Um, whereas we use machine learning algorithms and models to look for reasons to approve an order. I think the other really important thing is is the mindset difference. So our commercial model is such that we only get paid if we approve an order. So if we decline an order, we don't get paid, whereas a payment gateway gets paid on a per-transaction basis, regardless of whether that's approved or declined. Um, so for them, you know, they're, they're less concerned about the results. Their kind of primary focus is keeping fraud rates low, which sadly means lower than you'd like approval rates because they don't want to fall out of favour with the card schemes. They don't want merchants to have a fraud rate higher than 0.9 or 1%. And so that's why they encourage and roll out technologies like 3D Secure. 3D Secure does a good job of suppressing fraud. Sadly, as we described, it's also a conversion killer. Yeah, makes sense. And I guess, what does a typical signified customer look like? So obviously, certain verticals are going to be higher risk and see more fraud. Um, and also, does uh, kind of your offering, is it relevant to businesses of all sizes or is it generally larger businesses that you work with? So we, we literally work with anybody who sells anything online. Um, as I mentioned earlier, 11,000 customers globally. Some of those are, you know, huge, enormous enterprise that everybody's heard of. We work right the way through that scale down to people, you know, one-man bands who are literally selling shoes, handbags from their garage, that kind of thing. This is a solution that that scales this idea of um, the commerce network, uh, the concept of network effects, everybody buying into being part of a club and having that kind of mutual benefit. Um, clearly, we, we, we do specialise in some specific industries. So um, we're very, very strong in the sectors of fashion, footwear, consumer electronics, health, beauty, cosmetics, homewares, uh, and sporting goods. Um, the, the, I guess the, the really big benefit comes when 
merchants want to trade internationally because one of the things we talk about a lot is the fear of fraud. Um, so globally, fraud's worth about 1% of all of e-commerce. If you, Again, if you average it, clearly fraud rates in different geographies are different, but across the globe, fraud is worth 1%. And yet the fear of fraud, as we describe it, is worth 3% domestically. If we take the UK, you've got that kind of 3x coverage. So whilst fraud is only 1% and merchants on average, therefore, decline 3% of their orders for the fear of fraud, um, you know, that, that in itself is an opportunity for, for companies like Signify to close that gap on behalf of our clients. But then when they ship orders internationally, that fear of fraud at 3% increases to more like 7 to 9%. And that's because merchants don't know or they don't have enough data to know which orders are good or bad within those territories. You know, they might say, oh, we use things like Google Maps to verify addresses and make a call as to whether it looks legitimate or not. Well, certain geographies in Europe, you can't use Google Maps. Certain countries around the globe don't have ABS and CVV checks. So, you know, the, the data that's available to merchants is, is, is far, far fewer. Now, uh, Paul, one of the things you asked there was, you know, are there areas that are more fraudable than others? I think one of the things that surprised me when I joined Signified two and a half years ago was that fraud exists everywhere. You'd be amazed. It's things like, uh, during the pandemic, toilet rolls, um, hand gels, dog food, nappies, Baby milk. There's there's loads of fraud in baby milk powdered because you can't uh, in certain geographies around the world you can't buy it. So there's massive resale value in fraudsters getting hold of it, say from the UK, and and then reselling it into Africa. So you'd be very surprised. Car tires, car parts is a massive fraud area. You just wouldn't think that. You'd think it would be all about iPhones and gold bars, but but it's just not. It, it's literally across every single industry, um, coupled with that kind of amplification factor which is, you know, this idea of the fear of fraud. Yeah, makes sense. And um, just on, so you mentioned uh, one of the benefits of Signified is reducing the number of orders that are cancelled, essentially. Um, and in that scenario, is that just purely because, I guess, there's less risk for the merchant because you take on 100% liability? Um, or is there anything else that you do there to kind of help with that maybe 2% uh, variance? So the... I, the, the average that we find in for UK and European customers, the average uplift is about four to six percent, right? And and that is because um, because of all that legacy those legacy techniques I talked about. If you think about at every stage, you've got bank authorizations, fraud screening, blacklists, whitelists. You've got uh, operational staff reviewing orders. All of these things hamper that that true approval rate, um, and. Yeah, we, we provide that complete coverage that covers them for all of the types of fraud chargeback I talked about. And in principle, just because we have so much more data, we can provide that uplift that I talked about. Okay, makes sense. And um, how, so in terms of like the internet or in terms of the reach of Signified, so how global is your product? So you talked about kind of offices in the US and Europe. Um, like, would you cover um, kind of businesses globally? Would you cover things, uh, territories like the Middle East, Asia, et cetera? Um, yeah. So, yeah, we, we are literally a global company. I mean, it's the, the nature of SaaS software and services means that now people can buy software from, from anywhere. So the, the internet has changed, I guess, how people go to market. We work with, as I mentioned, 11,000 merchants globally shipping to about 100 different countries. So there isn't a market where we don't work with clients shipping goods to. We obviously have 
far more data than they would have independently of each of those individual markets. So, you know, we can give them that significant uplift in terms of their approval rate. I mean, in some of the far reaching uh, territories, so, you know, Latin America, Russia, uh, Indonesia, for example, it's not uncommon for us to give a kind of 20 to 40% increase in terms of the approval rate, just allaying this kind of fear of fraud um, side of things. I think the thing I need to call out is the fraud pressure in the different territories is very different. So, you know, in, in Western Europe and North America, approval rates typically are quite high. Um, fraud pressure is reasonably well known. It's managed. Um, okay. But then, you know, you look at some kind of developing e-commerce countries and, and, and territories. So, as I say, Latin America, APAC, Russia, um, Southeast Asia in particular, um, the, the fraud pressure in those markets is really high. And it's, it's, it's a, an enormous problem for merchants to try and get their head around because in, in those territories, the payment gateway just are not interested. So, you know, back to my point earlier, if they would rather suppress fraud because they're getting paid per transaction anyway. The, you know, in these territories, you know, merchants end up with, say, sub 50% approval rate, which is hard for us to get our heads around in uh, Western European countries because we're just so used to seeing people with approval rates north of 80, 90%. And you uh, you mentioned before about one of the key selling points with, with a specialist platform like Signified is liability shift, right? I guess this is this is one of the big paranoias that a lot of merchants have is charge back. Oh my god, how much percentage of sales are we going to lose and have to pay back? So the liability shift, how how does it work? So do the if there is a uh, then a kind of pushback after um, signifiers approve the transaction, does a client ever see that or know about it? Um, or is it completely seamless behind the scenes? Um, yeah, and later, are there any exceptions when the retailer would be liable? So uh, at the checkout, we integrate typically with the merchant's e-commerce or, or IMS platform, and, and we ingest all of the order uh, information around that, that transaction. Again, you're looking for reasons to, to approve it, to help the merchant. If we get it wrong, the, the, the chargeback mechanism manifests itself at the payment gateway level, not at the e-commerce platform. So we have a secondary integration with their payment gateway, and as you might imagine, working with 11,000 merchants, most of these integrations, whether it's an e-commerce platform or a payment gateway, are, are pre-built, cartridges, connectors, native integrations. The way that it works is as soon as a chargeback lands in the instance, uh, in the merchant's instance of their payment gateway, we will process that chargeback, uh, represent the merchant and reimburse them immediately. So as soon as that happens, we, you know, more often than not, the merchant will have been reimbursed by Signify before they even know that they've had a chargeback because the machine is automating that representment process. You asked the second part, didn't you, James, around uh, are there any exceptions? So yeah, sorry, simple, that's all right. The simple, the simple part of it is no. Um, we, we literally can cover a merchant for all uh, unauth card not present transactions, right? And there are whole lists of chargeback reason codes, um, our, all of our policies are public on the internet, so it's you know it's a very very transparent process. The only chargebacks that we don't cover are pretty logical ones. So, for example, if um, if a transaction's gone through 3D Secure and results in a chargeback, that clearly wasn't a signified uh, approved transaction. If um, if you get a chargeback from uh, a card present transaction, so let's say for example somebody walks into a store and they buy something. 
if the transaction is authenticated using chip and pin or a signature, clearly that isn't an unauth card not present transaction. So basically, we make them good on all transactions that we can review and influence. Those use cases I just described are totally outside of our scope. And I think, you know, to your audience would, would seem quite logical. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. So let, let's move on to the the thing about maximising revenue opportunity. Because as you as you said at the start, this isn't just about fraud management. A, a big um, chunk of what you focus on it is trying to minimise the number of lost orders that are valid orders. So can you talk us a bit through the the signified tech stack? I know you can't give away the uh, the secrets to the crown jewels, but um, you've got three core modules: decision centre. Agent console and insights reporting. Can you just give people an overview? What are they and what do they do for merchants? Sure. Uh, interestingly, um, I thought prior to joining Signified that there would be more objections around this point, yeah, around the whole risk and reward piece and merchants thinking that you would play down the approval rate so that you take less risk and that you'd kind of protect your revenue. In actual fact, it just firstly, we don't get that objection very often, it's very, very rare. And, and secondly, um, because of the way that our commercial model works, we literally only charge merchants when we approve an order. So if we're not, it, it, there's an incentive for us, if you like, to help that merchant grow in a protected kind of sustainable way. Um, and we also provide like a very transparent decisioning process. So uh, as you rightly mentioned, we have, um, I think one of the, the complaints, if you like, there is, it exists in the fraud industry. And this is a big complaint of merchants that use fraud tools from, gateways or, or other third parties is that they provide a black box and it's like well that this transaction is good bad or ugly and the merchant's like well why based on what information we can't really see anything's wrong where, where signified is different we provide um, a totally transparent decisioning console to all of our merchants where they can literally look at our our decision for each and every individual transaction and see the reasons and the rationale the logic behind why that transaction was either approved or declined we surface all of our data on that transaction. So we can say, for example, uh, this particular consumer or this IP address, we've seen 26 times and 18 times it's resulted in a chargeback, for example, right? To give them uh, you know, some idea of confidence and leveraging that idea uh, of network effects. I think the, the other really important thing is we're using a really, really broad data set. Uh, so it's, it's broad and deep. Not only do we obviously have all of those transactions across all of those merchants uh, that we can review in a fraction of a second to decide if, if an order is good or bad, but we're looking at things like um, behavioral biometrics, typing DNA. So literally, we will have a signature when we buy something online, typing in your email address and your information. That that fingerprint, if you like, a digital fingerprint, is unique to you. So a fraudster wouldn't have the same as you. So Often, a lot of the things that people, you know, when we describe how the solution works, merchants are quite surprised at how broad that is and almost, you know, a little bit creepy. Um, but, it, you know, it's all about using uh, probabilistic approaches to try and look for a reason to approve an order. You, you raised uh, the introduction of uh, our most recent product, which is the Decision Center Suite, which we've developed. It's kind of... Um, some merchants still like to retain some kind of control around fraud, fraud managers, risk managers, profit protection managers. You know, they might have built big teams and processes and they don't necessarily like the idea of complete outsourcing to a third party. You know, that would uh, destroy their empire or, or reduce their element of control. And I think certain businesses also have 
um, unique promotions um, and, and that kind of thing. But I talked earlier about the rise in abuse scenarios. That, that really led about to the introduction of decision centers. So what we've done is we have a suite of tools now where the merchant can control abuse on an individual promotion level. They can look at restricting resellers who might target specific products and specific geographies, um, as well as control things like account takeovers um, and that kind of thing. And then finally on this point, we also have um, an executive dashboard and full suite of kind of reporting and insight tools. So merchants can look to see, right, okay, how much revenue have we put through this particular geography or this storefront? Um, what are our problem products? Where are we having issues? And, and I think one of the really cool things about that is we actually can show to an individual merchant how they're performing against their peers. So the industry performs at this level. This is the industry standard approval rate. This is where you're at. Industry standard fraud rate. This is where you're at. So those kind of things, very, very useful tools. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with the advent of PSD2 and open banking with payment gateways, um, so with them being able to automatically update expired card details and things like that, how is that impacting Signified? So I, I think PSD2 and, and in particular SCA is, is impacting all of e-commerce, right? <laughs> Market readiness is is an interesting topic on this um, and, and merchant awareness as well, I think, is is horrendous one of the things we found is it's only been a very very small percentage of people are even aware it's coming i think the way that the legislation has been communicated through the relevant competent authorities has been been really bad particularly when you think about what's at stake right if people get this wrong you know th there's lots of reports and there's testing that's going on at the moment um the very very good resource that microsoft publish on a, on a regular basis which we're happy to share with your audience um in, in mainland Europe, and the deadline for mainland Europe was meant to be the 1st of January 2021, in, in Italy and France, they've already delayed that now until kind of Q2 and, and H2. Um, but, but the data shows that somewhere in the region of about a third of all transactions, you know, will likely be declined if people don't migrate to a, a compliant SCA solution. Now, that's horrendous for the industry. Nobody wants that, right? And I think lots of people have kind of buried their heads in the sand. There's lots of gateways that are just telling merchants, hey, look, we've got you covered when, you know, haven't even been able to test their solutions until recently. So I don't know how, you know, they can give them that commitment. But for Signified, we see this as a similar opportunity to our kind of uh, frictionless, applying that kind of frictionless buying experience to the legislation. So we uh, have argued that we've been doing SCA forever. We are always looking for factors to prove a consumer is who they say they are we've just never kind of categorized them in the whole uh, knowledge inherent possession categories um but, but obviously going forward we will so we, we have a product that we call seamless sca that again talks about you know not we want to reduce the friction in the buying journey so we have minimal step ups um in terms of how consumers uh, authenticate themselves and and complete that buying journey so i think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens as i say the deadline in Europe should have been, mainland Europe should have been 1st of Jan 2021, which is upon us probably by the time this podcast goes out, you know, it, it will have happened and we'll, we'll be seeing, um, you know, the, the, the immediate impacts of that and whether transactions do actually get declined. I think in the UK, we have a period of taking stock and seeing what happens in mainland Europe and adjusting because 
the deadline for for the UK, uh, the enforcement date is currently the 14th of September 2021. And, And I guess it should be called out that both of those dates had already been delayed twice, right? So the first date was delayed because the ecosystem wasn't ready. And I think, as I've just described, it's still not ready. And then the second time that the date moved was because of uh, the coronavirus pandemic. So, yeah, we we will wait and see. I think for us, we look at it as a massive opportunity. Um, But I think there's a lot of concern um, within the broader ecosystem about what this might do to approval rates, to conversions, um, and, and ultimately to revenues. Yeah, absolutely. Um, your pricing, so your standard pricing model is based on a percentage of sale. Um, how does this work in terms of kind of net sales, gross sales, um, returns, shipping costs, uh, taxes, etc.? Great question. So we, we charge a percentage uh, of the approved basket value. So, and, and I have, a, I've, I've kind of mentioned this a couple of times, we, we only get paid if the merchant gets paid. So if we approve a transaction and we're telling the merchant that that's a, that's a good customer, it's a good order for, you know, pick and packet, send it out, you know, you have our um, coverage, our liability shift on that transaction. If they're going to get paid, we get paid. The uh, flip side is if we decline a transaction and we tell a merchant that it's a fraudulent order, we don't charge them for that, they're not getting paid and we don't get paid. And that kind of extends into things like if a consumer changes their mind, they cancel their order, the merchant cancels the guarantee was signified, and, and again, they're not getting paid, we don't get paid, or uh, sadly has been the case because of the supply chain problems uh, due to COVID, if a merchant, for whatever reason, runs out of stock on a particular uh, skew and they can't fulfil the order, then again, they're not going to get paid, so we don't get paid. So it's a very kind of transparent model that scales with that consumer. Um, you know, it, 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 we're very much vested in their success uh, as they grow, uh, so do our revenues. So, you know, it, it's something that we've kind of uh, normalised or perfected, if you like, over the time that we've engaged. We tried all kinds of other different commercial models. This seems to be the one that, that everybody can get their head around and understands and is very, very simple uh, in terms of billing and invoicing. And in terms of ROI justifications, because this will be a question on many people's uh, minds, can you share a few case studies where retailers have generated a positive ROI from implementing Signified? I know you might need to anonymise it. It's fine even if you say this is a beauty retailer or a fashion one. Uh, what drove the ROI and how was it proven? So holistically, and, and I'm trying to th- I, I try to think of examples of where there isn't um, an ROI. Signified is a revenue generating solution. So in almost every case, because we're using machines, uh, big data, we're always going to be more efficient and faster than, than using you know, human interaction, right? If you think about it, our machine learning solution will make a decision about a transaction in under a second, about 400 milliseconds, whereas a human will probably take to review an order five or six minutes. So in every case, there's always going to be um, cost savings. We've talked a lot about the revenue optimization. So holistically, what we're about is Increasing sales, reducing OPEX, cutting down time to fulfillment because, you know, we can push that decision window right out to when the carriers can can take the goods. And the final thing, of course, is mitigating fraud risk. Um, so in every single case, there's, there's an ROI. I think for, for your listeners, for those in uh, Western Europe and, and the UK, the average is typically a 10x ROI, um, assuming merchants are using a combination of kind of 3D secure 
and legacy rules. Um, some examples that, that off the top of my head. So Samsung, being a client everybody knows very well, um, have benefited from a, a 17x ROI since they've used Signified. And in actual fact, they're expanding their use uh, of Signified to new territories. Uh, the other example, and we have a case study of this actually on our website, which is you know publicly available, is with um, one of the fastest growing European startups. It's a company called Emma, Emma Sleep, who sell mattresses as a, a, like a bed-in-a-box type manufacturer. Um, and they uh, benefited from a 12x ROI that was realized in, in just three months. So it, it, in almost every single case and every client, we can deal with tangible baselines to help them work out what their true approval rate is. We can share with them where we think we will get them to in terms of that additional revenue, the cost savings, noting, of course, that they're transitioning their fraud risk from them to us as well. Um, and, you know, so that paper-based ROI uh, is something that we can do for absolutely every single client. You um, you talked earlier, there's a point I really want to come back to, actually, because I think it's quite an interesting one for people listening. You talked about the fact that that you can be a, a kind of alternative to 3D Secure, and sometimes people struggle with 3D Secure implementations. They might not might not have worked perfectly, or I know the UX is definitely way better now than it used to be on mobile, but finding that that might have a potential negative impact on their conversion, um, but also that it does give them the security and the reassurance from a fraud point of view. So... What I'm keen to understand is, if I can frame this question correctly, is, is if if you're using your payment gateway like a Stripe or an Adyen to do 3D Secure to, to minimise your fraud, you pay a fee. I think the bog standard Stripe fee for 3D Secure is three pence per 3D Secure attempt. Um, now, how how does how do you see the benefit then with what Signify does? Because Stripe will an Adyen, et cetera, will turn around and say, well, they have some kind of machine learning stuff as well. So when when you're trying to explain to a, a merchant the benefit of using Signified versus standard 3D Secure, what, what would be the kind of explanation? So with, with 3D Secure, for every single transaction that goes through 3D Secure, it's assigned um, regardless of the vendor. And they do, each um, payment gateway might have different descriptors, but in principle, there's kind of four main buckets of how that, individual transaction can be categorized and they are y a n and u in, in principle so y is yes transaction authorized right it passed great the consumer passed the 3ds uh, challenge the, the 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 failures the a n and u are abandoned and i think you know we all experience that where <laughs> or you know my parents right they're not particularly internet shopping savvy they get presented with a pop-up and they're like, it says type in your password or we're going to send a code to your mobile phone. And they're like, well, I don't know what my password is. I can't complete the transaction. So they close the window. They, you know, but sadly, they're driven towards Amazon because Amazon totally get this uh, frictionless buying experience. So that that's the first kind of cancelled scenario. The second is um, unauthorized, whereby somebody tries to type in a password and they get it wrong or they type in the code wrong. So they have a go, but they get it wrong. And of course, that fails with legitimate customers as well as fraudsters, of course. And then the final one is unavailable. Uh, so 3D Secure is the uptime, you'd be surprised, is not as great as it should be. And it gets to that point where a challenge is made on a on a transaction. And if 3D Secure is unavailable, then the consumer can't authenticate. They can't complete their transaction. So for those three uh, rejection codes, uh, AN and U, and as I said, Payment gateways might have 
slightly different descriptors for those, or they might even have a subset. We signified would typically approve in the region of about 80% of those rejections. So that's a big part of that on average four to six percent revenue uplift. Great. And um, looking ahead to 2021, um, what, what do you have in the roadmap? Like, What are you working on going into next year? So first and foremost, 2020 has been a fantastic year for Signified. I think, you know, we need to call that out. It's, and probably, uh, hopefully, the, those of you who listen to the podcast working in e-commerce have also benefited from uh, the, the increase in sales in terms of new customers coming to uh, to buy things online. You know, coronavirus has presented us with this acceleration in terms of e-commerce adoption. It's sort of in the region of, what, five years? I think, you know, the migration that way was happening anyway. It, you know, the pandemic has just accelerated that. And for sure, as a company, we've, you know, massively benefited from that. Um, 2021 for us is going to be about building on the massive success that we've had this year. We've doubled our customer facing team here within Europe to meet uh, the demand you know that we're seeing within the region um, the the new clients that are coming on board the GMV that we're processing the size of the opportunity that we have um, so I think key themes are for next year for sure of course the elephant in the room will be PSD2 it will be um, the growth of our seamless SEA product um, and then I think medium long term beyond that so perhaps the end of 2021 and, and beyond is continued expansion into new territories so this year we've opened an office in in latin america to meet the demand from that massive region we will move into you know formally having boots on the ground in in other territories for sure um and then i think the other thing that's quite exciting is just literally through the use of using ai machine learning and big data you can expand into all kinds of Scenarios. So one of the big pain points that we see from merchants, perhaps outside of our purview, is um, returns fraud. So literally returns, just a massive, massive problem for retailers. How do they manage it? How do they know who's a good customer, who's a bad customer? You know, different merchants have different policies around how many times they'll let individual consumers uh, return goods before they blacklist them or they, you know, they cease trading with that person. So we're looking to expand all of the transaction data that we have and the knowledge that we have from consumers to cover um, returns. And that will be something that, uh, you know, more details to follow uh, in 2021. Uh, so if anyone listening uh, who hasn't used Signified before is interested, but they, they've they got the classic concern, well, I'm not sure how I'm going to get buy-in for this, um, for a percentage of sales. How Do you offer trials, proof of concept? How could they, they run it as a trial against their existing kind of standard payment authentication process to be able to validate that it has that uplift before it commits into a long-term contract? Sure. So I, I think my um, my immediate retort typically when we get the kind of question is, why wouldn't you get buy-in from your stakeholders of, you know, somewhere in the region of a 10x ROI, right? If you know, you're going to pay me a fee and you're going to make 10 times the return. <laughs> what's what's not to like about that, right? If if we're having an objection from a senior stakeholder that doesn't understand that business case, then we've had a problem in terms of the pre-sale, I think. We, we need to engage with that stakeholder and, and, and you know, have a, you know, a bit more of an engaged conversation around uh, how we work and who we work with and how we do it. Um, you know, I think to get them comfortable with that, with that concept, because I appreciate everybody in e-commerce is charging a percentage of sales. The, the, I think the, the difference is, as I've described, 
our solution is massively revenue generating. I, I challenge merchants in this example to say, you know, give me another example of another technology that will give you this kind of ROI. And it's tangible. It's not based on ethereal kind of finger in the air. We think, you know, we're going to we're going to get more people to commit to buying from you. These are people who've already tried to buy from you, and you're rejecting them. So I think that's the first thing I have to say about the ROI. Um, the other bit is about trials, proof of concepts, pilots, because we are to, to we have a big benefit in the sense that we're natively integrated with a lot of the big uh, e-commerce platforms. So, you know, if you're using Shopify or BigCommerce, you can install our app in like 15 seconds. It's literally five five clicks. If you're on Magento, we're natively integrated from 2.2 onwards. Even if you're using another platform and you want to use our API, it's very it's kind of a lightweight implementation process. You can get up and running in in days. Um, and so, because our implementation is very lightweight and we don't have to spend a massive amount of money on our resource getting clients up and running, and we have so much confidence and kind of you know, proof points, if you like, that the solution will work. We are very willing to offer clients trials, proof of concepts, uh, pay pilots, um, as I said, as a way of validating, um, you know, the value of what we do. The, the interesting thing comes, it then goes full circle because you end up with kind of CFOs and VPs of e-commerce saying, okay, but actually we do want the value. We want the uplift straight away. So, you know, we, we've had merchants where, you know, we might make them say, Two million pounds more sales uh, per month, and if if they were to go through a two week trial period, that's costing them, you know, potentially a million pounds worth of lost orders. So one of the things that that, that, that I feel that the market has moved towards is um, we offer, you know, we can offer people a, a live pilot, or as I call it, like a paid pilot. So we're literally screening live transactions. They're having the benefit of that frictionless experience, increasing the conversions, more sales. And if for whatever reason we don't meet their expectations or the business case isn't realized within that initial period, then we give them the right to cancel the contract. So it's kind of like a cooling off period, if you like. But what I must say is I can't think of a single example where anybody's exercised that right, which, again, is, you know, testament to the solution, but also um, a reason why we would do it. You know, no vendor is going to offer you a, that kind of trial setup if they weren't 100% confident that, that it was going to work. Um, but you're, you're right, James, this is a really strong kind of um, validation, if you like, um, and, and something that, you know, has generally been quite well received. I think, in my experience, European, particularly UK businesses, very much in every case want to see an ROI. They want to, they want to speak to other customers that have been using your solution. They want to hear how they've got on. You know, they want to validate your claims. They want to kind of try before they buy uh, in some cases, whereas yeah. I think... Exactly. I think the reason, I mean, you know, the reason behind it is although the, 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 the concept and what you're doing makes absolutely obvious sense because it's a, it's a challenge that everyone knows about and it's an outcome everyone wants to achieve and most businesses struggle to get there effectively. The reality is that people have, have been offered like these, these, the, what seems like gold dust in other areas several times and often people have been stung from something which was guaranteed to deliver results and they haven't. So I think there is a, sometimes there's a healthy amount of scepticism um, when people hear claims like this and other times there's maybe a barrier, as you said, that needs to be addressed in that pre-sales engagement piece. Um, but it's it's useful to know. I mean, at least it gives people listening that that uh, that kind of olive branch thing of if they, they think they won't get the buy-in, but actually this de-risks it even further, then fantastic. It opens that door a bit easier for the e-commerce team. Totally. The other thing I, I, I'd add to that is because of the nature of what we're doing in terms of we have a commerce network of transactions 
and everybody's if, if one of our merchants gets hit with fraud we fix it for that merchant and everybody else in the network benefits from it so what happens is if you're an existing signified client it's very much in your interest. And we've seen really kind of positive take up of getting involved in things like customer advisory boards, doing client reference calls and that kind of thing, because the merchants that use our service want other large merchants who have, you know, high transaction volumes to become part of the commerce network because it's in everybody's benefit. So it's that that's quite an unusual thing in, in SaaS sales. You know, most of the time with SaaS software, people are licensed to use a particular product. There's no benefit that the other merchants get out of growth. And in our case, that's very, very tangible. So, yeah, people are very willing to get involved in doing case studies, customer reference calls, uh, customer advisory board is something that's been very, very popular, these kind of things. So um, we're very, very lucky in that regard that that's, you know, quite closely linked to our proposition. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, that's been really interesting and appreciate your kind of honesty about it, uh, um, transparency. Uh, we've We've covered all the key questions we wanted to, to ask. So, first of all, thanks very much for taking the time to, to come on, Chris. Always enjoy talking to you. Thank you very much for having me. Um, and for everyone listening, you know, thanks again for tuning in to the podcast. If you've got any questions, then obviously feel free to reach out. Chris, what's the best way for them to contact and who should they contact at Signified? They can, there's a contact us uh, page you on, on the website, signified.com. It's all um, regional specific. You know, regional content with regional case studies. There's a chatbot facility that'll put you through to a real person if you provide some details. Um, we, as I said, we have offices in, in in London, Belfast, and Barcelona, so we serve Europe pretty well. Uh, failing that, if they want to speak to me individually, I'd recommend um, either emailing me at chris.hemmings at signified.com or connecting with me on LinkedIn. Cool. And uh, there is, as always, a post on our website, replatform.fm, for this podcast. You can listen to the embed on that page, uh, but you'll also find uh, the contact details for Chris and Signified on that page. So uh, thanks, as always, for everyone listening and have a good rest of the day.